I'm not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. 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 So it has been entirely too long since the last time I was here, since the last time I got to connect with everyone, and I miss you guys. I I miss recording. I miss feeling like myself. I miss being in LA. I mean, I probably could spend the entire This Week in Motherhood talking about all of the things that I miss because collectively that's just where we're at. Um I was trying to get back to you guys, though. Let me just tell you, I know that I have been promoing this co-parenting issue (laughs) for maybe a month now at this point. And, you know, every time we got going, something happened. So, you know, the first time if anyone was checking us out while we were doing the Instagram live, we did the whole Instagram live. We had a really great synergy. And then... There were tech issues and my entire audio did not record. I mean, just like feelings hurt, but like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. We're going to bounce back. We, we did it once. We can do it again. It's going to be even better. All the kinks are worked out. So then we record. Oh, you know what? Before we even get to the second episode, we have this mm, break in communication. Co-parenting. Co-parenting is what happened, uh, as you can probably imagine. (laughs) Co-parenting is really fucking hard. Um, Co-parenting during a pandemic is even more difficult. Uh, Shacking up with your co-parent during a pandemic is nearly impossible. And shacking up with your co-parent during a pandemic when your co-parent is a Gemini man is like level 10 boss difficulty and I did not win y'all I did not win the fight I'm still in the war but did not win the fight so whatever we did not get the episode recorded despite trying a couple of times and having some personal and technical issues but I believe in us and I believe we'll bounce back. If anyone is a co-parent, then you feel me, you understand, probably even if you're not, if you're just a human being who has to communicate, empathize with and have compassion for another grown ass human being, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I will say, like many of you, I have been finding so much peace, so much escapism in television. I've been deep in TV land. Um, spoil alert for anyone who is not or is watching Little Fires Everywhere. That is my jam. I am living for this series more specifically because I am obsessed with Reese Witherspoon playing the quintessential well-meaning, liberal, toxic white woman. Like nobody does it better than than Reese. And I love the energy that she has between her and Carrie Washington on the show. This like constant tension that I have found myself in with many a white woman <laughs> in many circumstances. Um, but uh, actually the, the scene that really resonated with me recently was the scene where Elena, who is Reese Witherspoon's character, um, is having all of this um, 
frustration. She's frustrated and she's really having a lot of hesitation about having a fourth child, right? They unexpectedly get pregnant. They're married. They've got three kids. This fourth child is coming and it's right when she's really wanting to dive back into her career as a journalist. Um, You know, I mean, it's at a local paper, but still she's a journalist and it's fulfilling and she wants to feel like herself again which is super incredibly relatable. And, you know, her husband convinces her that all will work out, all will be well with this fourth child. I mean, because of course he does, because he's not carrying the baby. He's not the one making career sacrifices. Um, He's paying the bills. So in this like really vulnerable moment of frustration, Elena is in this big, beautiful house in Shaker Heights, you know, living the quintessential American dream. And she is going batshit. She is so overwhelmed with, I mean, just frustration and probably some resentment for having this fourth child, having to put her career on pause, seeing her colleagues um, surpass her professionally. And she just loses it. And it all comes out in this scene. And it's like in the evening, in the kitchen, in her bathrobe. And she's just hurling plates at the floor. And, you know, if you haven't watched the episode, this may feel a bit melodramatic, but it really reminded me so much of... This moment right before we left LA, um, which I guess I haven't even talked about a lot, but um, you know, we left LA uh, thinking that I was going to return. Sergeant and I would be returning in a couple of months to start a new position uh, that I had just gotten working at a university and Of course, the job dissolves because of COVID and, you know, my plans to be like overseas and traveling and doing cool moms worldwide um, were kind of thwarted because shit, I end up stuck in Charlotte (laughs) with Sergeant's dad crying, watching little fires everywhere, looking at Elena smash plates on the floor and remembering being in L.A. and being really, really overwhelmed and frustrated by things I can't even remember, but I'm sure have some importance. Um, Just feeling overwhelmed. And I slammed a pot of oatmeal on the ground. And oatmeal went everywhere. It was all over the kitchen floor, all over the refrigerator, the cabinets. Um, Sergeant was like sitting at the kitchen table eating the oatmeal and didn't see me slam it, but like saw the aftermath and was like, "Uh uh-oh. And I'm like, yeah, uh oh, mommy had an accident. But I just felt so defeated in that moment and probably really lost too. Um, And I think that that is a feeling that is kind of permeating during this time. A lot of us, a lot of us are feeling lost or feeling defeated or feeling like we don't know um, what's next and how to even plan for the future. So I guess my note to leave everyone with is just um, to find the moments that make you feel human, even if it's watching a TV show about a mom losing her shit, Um, even if it's finding joy in unexpected places like with your co-parent in the midst of a pandemic or finding frustration with them, finding joy with your children, finding joy with yourself. 
you know, let's just be easy on ourselves. Um, I love you all so much and I'm so excited to be back. And I'm even more excited because the next guest is such a cool ass mom. So I am um, super duper excited to have my first, I guess, are we calling this like a quarantine episode, but uh, an at home um, virtual cool moms episode featuring creative director and co-founder of Maroon World and all around like just super wonderful, beautiful human Cynthia Cervantes. Welcome. Thank you. That was so sweet. (laughs) You're welcome. How are you feeling? How are you doing? You know, I'm feeling good in general. Um, There's definitely moments, but we're just trying to, you know, like I said earlier, just stay present and um, be thankful that we're together above all. Right. Yeah, most definitely. Um, We'll we'll start off light. I'm obsessed. If you've ever listened to a Cool Moms episode, more than likely I have talked about either my astrology sign or someone else's or a combination of the two. So I like to people to get like a feel, if that's your thing, of where mm-hmm. we're starting. So tell me about your sign and if it matters to you at all. I'm a Sagittarius. Um, you know, I, I do think it matters. I definitely believe that we are in tune with the cosmos. Um, we, you know, our, we have space dust in our actual bodies. So you can't tell me that there isn't a connection between us and what happens um, astrologically. Wait, so what do you mean we have space dust? This is the first time I'm hearing this. Yeah, <laughs> we have the same, we have the same molecules um, that you find in space in our bodies. So if, have you watched Cosmos before? No. Okay, so Cosmos is um, a series that explores different space phenomena each um, episode, mm-hmm. and it's an amazing show. Um, you should definitely check it out. But uh, the host of the show, Neil deGrasse Tyson, talks about just our connection to space, and um, he has come under fire recently for um sexual harassment allegations so no but you're dropping so many bombs on me i follow him on instagram yeah no he has so he's the host of cosmos oh my gosh okay Uh, so i'm sure i've seen clips like internet clips and maybe have not watched the show in its entirety and now now he might be a a creeper okay no it's problematic the show itself Mm -hmm. is is really incredible Let's start in L.A. You were raised by a single mom in L.A.? Yep, I was raised um, by my mom. And so in that, you know, spent a lot of time with my grandparents, with my aunts, with my uncles, just sort of like everybody lived within a few blocks of each other. Um, And grew up in Hawaiian Gardens, which is a really small barrio in L.A. County. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... I ended up going to San Francisco for college. So made my way to San Francisco. And then from San Francisco, I went to Hawaii and did my master's. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I know this about you. Okay. Yeah. Wait. I lived in Hawaii for two years. So now you're in Hawaii. You're doing, um, you're working with an education reform. Mm-hmm. 
at what point you're like, okay, New York is, I'm going to go from LA to San Francisco to Hawaii. And now I'm going to shoot all the way across to New York. How, how did you come? Well, how did New York? So out? I actually had to go back to LA for, I was there for about a year after Hawaii because my mom um, needed like emergency brain surgery. So oh she God. was having all of these problems and um, kept going to the doctor and, you know, they kept saying to her, no, nothing's wrong with you. And then finally she found a doctor who was like, well, you know, let's do a CAT scan. Let's check out all these different things that no one had to, you know, looked at mm-hmm. and told her, oh, you actually need brain surgery immediately. And so I went back to help her um, for about a year and then, you know, it sort of was like, okay, I need to get out of here. So I was, you know, applying for jobs and I, it was, it's now that I think about it, um, it actually trips me out because I was at my mom's house and I wrote down like all of these goals that I had, I wanted to, and on that list was, I wanted to go to New York. I wanted to live in New York. Um, I wanted to have a meaningful job, you know, just sort of like all of these things that I had imagined for myself. And I wrote them all and I like taped them to my wall in my childhood bedroom at my mom's house. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, like it was like manifesting before I knew anything about that, you know? Right. You're back at home and you're like, all right, this is what my next steps have to be. And so New York, had you like romanticized New York prior to this or did it just kind of come out of the blue or seem like the next best step? You know, I had liked New York um, as a place that I wanted to live ever since I was in college because I had visited. I had been in um, Model United Nations and we did a New York trip um, with Model United Nations. And ever since then, I was like, okay, New York is everything that I want. You know, we had, I had like gone out clubbing and just the fashion, just like everything about it was, was exciting to me, you know? And so I was living in LA after my mom's brain surgery and she had, you know, um, she had healed and, and it was becoming a little bit tight in the house. Right. (laughs) And um, I got a job interview with this, um, other nonprofit organization in LA. And so I went on like four or five different interviews with them. And this is the first time I had gone on, you know, this like really intense interview process where you get, you, you know, sort of, it's like a rabbit hole of interviews. And then like the last one, you're basically doing the job. Right. Um, right. Right. And so I do all of this and I'm like, okay, I'm perfect for this job. I've got it. And they call me and they're like, oh, the job actually doesn't exist anymore in LA. The contract fell through. I'm like, yeah, I was, I was like, okay. And they're like, but the same program we're opening in Newark, New Jersey, would you be interested in relocating to our Brooklyn office while we get that program started? And it was like, Duh. yeah, I was like, I was like, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Look at God. So now you're, now you're in New York and you're doing the nonprofit work. How did that transition? Because, uh, you know, I think anyone who is familiar with you knows you for being, you know, having a background in fashion, being super creative. Mm-hmm. What did that shift look like from education to, to fashion? 
Um, well, I mean, the whole time I had, I was, um, taking pictures. I had a blog. I had, you know, I was always doing something creative, um, on the side. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to New York, um, like within, within a week or two of moving to, to New York, I had started dating who, who eventually became my girlfriend at the time. Okay. And she introduced me to, um, Shane and Raul and Ezra, who's DJ kingdom. And just like this All whole, yes, this whole group of people who would later become like my family. And, you know, through that, it was just like, immediately I was helping, um, Raul produce a show. I was, um, working with my friend Naomi who does nails, helping her do, um, her like the copy for different projects she was working on. And so from there, it was like, I had essentially two, two streams of work. I'm in one. I was like, by day I was like this nonprofit admin. And then at night I was like cruising downtown and working on just, you know, fashion installations, art, just anything that I was interested in. Yes. Come on, downtown superhero by day, by night. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was insane. Like I was, I mean, and at the time it was, you know, it was downtown New York and we were partying and I would be up until four o'clock and then have to leave my house at five 30 to be on a train to Newark, you know, like it was crazy. Yes. Um, did kids think you were cool when you were teaching? (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was not, um, I didn't teach for that long. Um, but the, you know, my last job that I had in education, so I was working with principals. I worked with principals in Newark and I worked with principals within New York city that were all title one schools, um, all like the lowest performing. And, um, one of the principals that I started working with was opening a new school and she asked me to come on and be her COO. Okay. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this. And, you know, I, I, my whole life, I have been sort of a subject of the public school systems and, you know, the inequities that kids face in black and brown schools. And I thought this is my chance to really make an impact. And so that was my, that was my last position. And in that position, I still talk to some of those kids. Like we follow each other on Instagram and, you know, Isn't that wild? I have former students that we follow each other on Instagram. I'm like, you're a whole adult. Literally, literally one of, one of my kids, um, she had a baby and I'm, I'm asking her for baby advice, you know, like, so <laughs> I love it. It's just, yeah, it's just been, it's been a trip, but it was, it was a really beautiful experience, but it's sort of just like those, those two worlds that I was living in sort of came to a head. Like at that time I was like really producing runway shows and, um, also doing this day job. And so I began to realize, um, that my day job had sort of just reached its, or the, it's funny to call it a day job because it was a whole ass career, but yeah. I had just realized it reached its limit. Like I was fighting, um, like literally fighting with the board all the time. Like they were doing just atrocious things that I, that I can't even repeat because some of it is likely illegal. You don't even have to tell me. I was the special education teacher for an entire like middle school special ed program with oh. 
education. Yes, the special ed situation I could go on about for so long. It's it's such an unfair system that we've set up for parents and kids. Absolutely. And we tie funding to it. So mm-hmm. it's which is immediately things become corrupt. Once you yeah. get money involved, then it's just yeah. the interest of the students is the last on the list. Exactly. So I, you know, here I was like fighting with this board that looked nothing like our student population or like me or like half of the teachers, you know, and so, you know, it got so bad that, um, you know, I had to, the superintendent of this, because it was a charter school, he took me to lunch and he's like, you know, I know we have a contentious relationship. What can I do? And I was like, we just don't see eye to eye. You don't even come to the school. Like I I have no respect for your authority because you don't even know what's going on. Right. You know? And so I just knew I'm like, I've reached sort of a, the ultimate level and I feel like going my own way and following my heart in terms of the creative projects I wanted to do, I could make more of an impact, um, for, for kids. And ultimately like the the whole reason I wanted to be an ed reform is to help kids who, who look like me and who look like the kids I grew up with. Right. So go ahead. I was going to say, which feels like, I mean, it makes so much sense now hearing more of your story and then understanding how um, you found your way to, you know, co-founding Maroon World, which is creative studio about celebrating people of color and this common thread of wanting to amplify the voices in the spaces of people of color. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, I think back to that because I left that job and I had worked my way up, you know, I was making a really cute coin. I was like, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. I was making a cute coin, sis. I was pumping into opening ceremony. Like, Ooh, let me get those boots. Like on the bags and the boots and the things. Listen, I was feeling it, but ultimately like, that's not going to make you happy. You have to, you have to focus on, what are you, what are you going to do every single day that you are excited about? And that makes you feel like you're contributing in a way that you're proud of. Right. So, um, I left that job. I didn't even have to, I was like, let me not tell my mom until it's my last week. <laughs> <laughs> like she's going to flip out. Um, and then from there, you know, my schedule freed up. So now I could take on many more projects and um that was really the beginning of me working with Travis who at that point you know was my partner and we had um we had, we had been dating for almost a year and I quit my job and he was also really instrumental like you know you, you know you like you you know you can just quit your job and you'd have work right and I had never freelanced before and I had no idea about having a whole career living in life freelancing and that's um, the way that he lived his life, you know. And so it was, it was a, um, it really opened my eyes as to what was possible. And so you guys started Maroon World. So my introduction to Maroon World was with Lindsay Caldwell on the cover of. Was that the first zine that you all had done? No, that was the second one. The second one. Okay. So my my intro was Lindsay, and on the cover is like Lindsay, who is. Uh, a DJ among other things and also a mama obviously was like 
big and beautifully pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what is this? What is like, what is, <laughs> what is this about? I had it on, um, I was pregnant at the time actually. And I would keep it on my coffee table with like two other, uh, inspiring magazines, uh, to kind of like keep me going. Um, and then even after that, uh, Maroon World has, I mean, you guys have done quite a bit, but specifically like the Nine Mujeres and Nine Meses uh, project, you had a lot of projects that I felt were very connected to this like woman, femme, motherhood experience, even before you became a mother. Have you always been inspired by the experiences of, of women or, or femme people? You know, not necessarily. I think I spent a lot of time actually sort of like running in the opposite direction Mm. of those things. And um, I mean, now looking back at a lot of my upbringing, um, and I've shared this with you before, part of my um, hesitation to even explore those things as a woman was that when I was 13, my mom um, had a baby and the baby died. So my sister died from SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome. Yes. And if you've never heard of it, it's ba- it basically just means like we don't know why the baby dies. Yeah. There's really no reason um, that they can give you. So that really um, traumatized me. I, I was for a long time. I was like, oh, I'm never having children. Um, I don't see myself as a mom. And, you know, now looking back, I understand that I was really trying to distance myself from that experience right? or, you know, just not even set myself up for the possibility of that happening to me. Right. And disappointment. Yeah, exactly. And, or just, you know, having these, these feelings like, Oh, well, um, these things happen to my family. So they're going to happen to me. And sort of this like kind of catastrophic thinking that we can sometimes engage in that limits our possibilities. Right. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I mean, self-sabotaging yes. you know, behavior. Exactly. And I think that, you know, it wasn't until, until I, I really found a partnership in which I felt like safe that I even began to explore those things. And I think that's why it came out in, in a lot of our work because we both were grappling with this idea of what, what uh, parenthood could look like and, and sort of just beginning to really see how beautiful these moments were that we weren't necessarily privy to. Right. And that aren't necessarily celebrated. I mean, I think that, you know, you and Travis came to my, my little studio apartment, um, to shoot me Mm -hmm. very close to the end of my pregnancy. And it was such an intimate shoot because it was, um, uh, I was naked and pregnant and Mm -hmm. I found that you all, um, had such a gift of, making me feel comfortable. And I think that that is something that you can really see in the work that you all produce is, um, this intimacy and, uh, this vulnerability, because these are like such special, uh, moments. And they remind me a lot of 
one of my favorite photographers who is Jacob Holt, who like lived with his subjects. So he was able to capture these really intimate moments that most people aren't able to. Um, I guess, you know, in that, did you know that this was like a superpower that you possessed was like being able to connect with people in this intimate way? And not Um, only that, translating that into work. Oh my God. Thank you. That's so sweet. The way that you put it was is so beautiful. Um, it's true. I think that I think that I I know that one of the things that I love, and this is from working with children and families, is one of the things I love is connecting with mm. people and hearing stories. And when I realized that that was possible through photography in a way that was very intimate it was something that I dove you know head first into um and I you know like I said earlier I had taken photos for a long time um I've had cameras for as long as I can remember but I I I just am never like the one that's like I want to be behind the camera I'm more so I really love talking to the person who's in front of the camera you know and and really sort of like getting to that moment and I think I really, I don't know. It's like divine intervention that, that, you know, Travis and I found each other because it's so seamless. Sometimes like we don't even have to talk to each other when we're in the moment um, photographing as you, as you probably saw, like we're just. Yeah, totally. There wasn't a lot of like, okay, now you do this or I think. Yeah. It was a very fluid experience for sure. And I definitely remember us talking about and you having questions about, being pregnant and birth and uh, all of that that it entails, I literally still have no real answers for, but <laughs> which is why I talk to everyone about it. Um, so now I want to like kind of fast forward. So you've met Travis, you all are working together, you're creating uh, beautiful work and getting, uh, you know, quite frankly, some very noteworthy clients that you all are producing with from what you did for uh, opening ceremony and uh, what was that? The year of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To one of my personal favorites that I discovered not too long ago, um, immigrants guide to cooking, which oh, is yeah. right. It was, mm-hmm. it's, 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 we're, we're going to have to come back to that, but like just some really special intimate work. And so now you are pregnant. Mm-hmm. Wait, before we even get there, I mean, if if you don't know, you'll have to do like a quick Google right now while you're listening and Google Cynthia and Travis's wedding. Um, oh, it was don't do that. It was because <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can Google their wedding. It was everything in Mexico. What um, what city were you in? Did you get married in? We got married in Michoacan, which is where both sides of my family are from. And we got married um, on my dad's ranch, which has been in my family for like over 100 years. Oh, my gosh. And it's called the town is called La Estancia, and it's tiny. I mean, it was just, like I said, you'll have to Google it because that in and of itself is an entire episode. So they have this. <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous wedding um it's really Thank beautiful you. and personal and now then within that you become pregnant tell me about the moment that you be- became pregnant and what shifted for you if if anything shifted for you pretty immediately when you got the news 
we, so we had been trying, um, sort of casually, we were like casually trying as you do, um, (laughs) for a while and you know, nothing was happening. It was like, I would say four, four or five months. And then we decided to come to Mexico city for the winter. We were like, Oh, let's head to Mexico city for winter. Like we literally left our apartment that we had been in for four years, like put everything into storage in his mom's garage, like just sort of threw caution to the wind and said like, we need to change. So, um, we get to Mexico city. Travis was gung ho about moving here, like from the jump. Okay. And I was like, you're carrying, we are not moving to Mexico City, (laughs) like maybe for a few months, but you know, New York is where our life is, our careers, like everything is in New York. So we are here for maybe two or three weeks. And within that time, it just, it was just no longer a question to me. I was like, oh yeah, let's move to Mexico City. Like it just, everything changed once we were here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we moved into our apartment. This all literally happened like a month after we came here. We were moving into our apartment. Okay. And I got pregnant the week after we moved into our apartment. Wow. Yeah. Although not even shocks because you're not the first couple that I've, I've or a woman that I've spoken to that's like, was not getting pregnant in New York. I left New York and within a month I was pregnant. Yeah. It was, it was like, it felt instant. And we gagged because, you know... I was like, oh, like, let's go to this mezcal bar. Let's go here. Let's have raw oysters. Let's have all this ceviche in the world. And, like, immediately I got pregnant. So, it was, was, yeah, I was like, the universe was like, okay, sit down, boo. Okay. And enjoy. Do you, and so now you're pregnant. Are you working throughout your pregnancy? Where is the state of maroon world within all of this? Yeah, I was working throughout my entire pregnancy, um, and we were going back to New York a lot to do work. So we were leaving, we were going back to New York like every four to six weeks the whole time. Whoa. Yeah. Yes, I became really good friends with the woman at Viva Aerobus in New York. (laughs) Sharon, Miss Sharon, she texted me on WhatsApp all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that's my good 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 girlfriend um yeah we were we were just going back and forth and then um until until I couldn't anymore you know until I hit 36 weeks and then I was you know I just stayed put after that right mm-hmm. now you really got to sit down so um I, I found it was really interesting too because I think from the outside in the assumption is that you would probably drive this wanting to move to Mexico and maybe being closer to your family there. Um, so it's really interesting to hear that Travis was like very gung ho about it. Um, and so now that your, your lives have shifted, I'm assuming really tremendously from, from the energy of New York to mm-hmm. although Mexico city equally is a high energy city, but just like a different vibe in Mexico city. Before you all even had Tenoch, am I pronouncing mm-hmm. yourself correctly? Tenoch. Tenoch. Mm-hmm. Um, before you had him, had you had conversations about how you all were going to uh, implement both cultures and how you raised him? 
Was that like a question with with those big conversations that were had prior to? Um, Definitely. I mean, it's been a conversation since we started dating, not necessarily about children, but just our cultures and how important they are to us and how they um, have come to define who we are and how we navigate the world. Mm -hmm. That was always a conversation. Travis's family is from what? St. Kitts. Is that correct? Yes. St. Kitts and Nevis. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's so. also it's also a huge driving force behind Maroon World because we really wanted to create something that shows how interconnected we are as um, as a community, you know. And and so many times there's so much division and there's so much indecisiveness in terms of like, well, um, just different cultures and and you know maybe even within like just look at like within west indian cultures how much you know there's like well we do it this way and we do it that way right latinos are the same way and so then when you have like latinos west indians african-americans um indigenous people like the whole spectrum um sometimes it's so much easier to focus on the differences rather than how much we have in common Right. So that was absolutely. Did you find that? What were some getting to know Travis's family and then and and vice versa? What were some of the parallels you all found in terms of like family's expectations of raising a child? You know, honestly, in terms of raising a child, there hasn't been any sort of. Um, I mean, the only thing definitely that we're getting from both sides of the family is. Yeah, I take that back. Is uh, when are we gonna <laughs> baptize him? I, listen, yes, of course. That's that is the question. And I'm like, we'll think about it. Maybe we'll <laughs> sprinkle him with indigenous holy water, but <laughs> right, because because you have feelings, strong feelings in terms of how you're gonna incorporate spirituality um, in your parenting. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when we got married, we had we got married by um, an indigenous shaman. Mm, and there was like one point where it was like my mom and his parents and they were like okay so is there going to be anyone that's praying to god (laughs) (laughs) we were like bible where are the verses (laughs) we're like this entire thing is to the universe to god and they were like no no no, but like to god (laughs) very specifically (laughs) yeah so i mean you know but they're so respectful of who we are um Thankfully, I, that's a huge blessing for sure is to have a family who really respects who you are. Mm-hmm. Not just, not that there weren't, you know, moments where it was like, okay, no, this is what we're doing because this is who we are. But in at the end of the day, there is a, a very firm, you know, respect for what, what we believe in. So, and so, yeah, not, not in terms of like raising him, but just, you know, the baptism is pretty much the only thing. Why are you trying to like dodge the baptism questions? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also know that well. Um, so, you know, when I initially reached out to you, um, obviously we're in the midst of this global pandemic um, and it's been weighing really heavy on me. Um, one, as a parent, um, as a mother, um, what does that mean to be raising a child um, in the midst of just like very heavy energy and grief and loss, um, and fear, 
that is uh, looming around on, on a really on a global scale. Um, so I, I, I definitely think, you know, I'd be remiss to not talk about that. And how has, how have your lives transitioned um, initially once the pandemic kind of reached a certain level of seriousness in Mexico City? And what did that, what did that look like? Um, well, it's, you know, it's been happening here the way it's been unfolding everywhere else um, in that it's, you know, it was slow to gain traction. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that time, we sort of took advantage of that and started bulking up and, you know, hitting the stores and figuring out what we needed in our pantry. Um, and then it was also about talking to the people that we were already uh, in talks with in terms of projects. Like we, we literally were in the middle of a project and had to come back to Mexico City um, and sort of figure out, you know, what are we going to do next? Because we were working um, in Oaxaca, where there's a lot of indigenous people and Afro-Mexicans, and we just, in good conscience, couldn't continue to work in those communities knowing that we could be carriers. Right, right. So we came back and just sort of hunkered down. And um, I I think the hardest part is just trying not to let your mind wander too much in terms of like what's going to happen. Cause none of us knows. And I don't want to um, sort of spiral into this place where I'm just hypothesizing and like coming up with worst case scenarios. Right. You know, while, while the notch is like breastfeeding on me and I'm like, this, my energy is like crazy. Um, I think, I think that's been, a huge saving grace is just having him and being able to dote on him and, and spend time with him a lot because we were coming out of like our self-imposed maternity leave. Right. Right. Like already like in a way self-isolating when you have a newborn. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You literally don't want to do anything except stare at your child and yeah. take a, in like insane amount of photos and videos. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I I really couldn't take my eyes off of him for for weeks. So mm-hmm. I I still like you know watch videos of him while he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I all day Sergeant at at peak two years old drives me insane, um, especially because we're in the house a lot more right now. Mm-hmm. But it goes to sleep. I'm like, oh. And I look at videos I took of him, you know, the day before that day. Yeah. Oh, I miss him. And he's yeah. literally in the next room asleep. Literally sleeping. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I would come out of the shower and be like, oh my God, my amor, I miss you. It's sick. <laughs> it is, but it's so beautiful, you know. So I think that's been the, I, you know, I, I like joke to my friends. I'm like, what's it like to, to just do whatever you want <laughs> right now? Right. But. I, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. What are you doing that still, still allows you to feel like yourself, um, while in quarantine outside of motherhood? I'm really pushed to have time to do, um, even a half hour of like a yoga practice or meditation practice. Mm-hmm. We have, um, do you have, do you have Gaia, Gaia TV? Mm, we heard no. of it. It's no. like Netflix, but like spiritual kind of like just like, yeah. um, listen, I'm taking notes on all the things I need to check out when we hang up. 
Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's like cuckoo documentaries on there, like interviewing people who have had extraterrestrial contact. But then there are also things like really beautiful documentaries on Ram Das and um, harvesting your energy and like focusing on um, being present and just like all these different spirituality topics. But yeah. then there's also really good yoga and meditation um, classes on there. Okay. And tell me what this, what is this site again? It's called Gaia. It's an app. Okay. I'm, you I'm can just... download on your like Apple TV or Fire TV or whatever. Yes. Okay. Everyone take note because this will be coming out while we're still social distancing. So yeah. So I, I'll do like a, um, I'll do like a gratitude meditation. I'll do, there's one on there for parenthood, like just to take a pause in your day and just chill out for a second. So I, I that's the thing that just keeps me grounded because sometimes I definitely, you know, feel a little wound up. And then the other thing that really helps is we go um, onto our roof for at least an hour every single day just to get some sun and be outside. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, um, I want to, before, before we wrap, before we wrap, I do want to, something that I've noticed because there, there are a few kind of, um, themes I feel like now that I'm listening more to your story in terms of kind of having these, being able to take these really, um, life-changing and life-moving situations like the passing of your friend um, to your mother getting sick and really being able to pivot that energy into how you can move forward in a positive way um, Mm. from that and doing something really pouring your energy back into self. Um, And so I'm, I'm curious now, you know, trying to think a little bit ahead after we're out of social distancing, um, have you thought about what is something, have you thought about working on projects that may not be collaborative? Is there anything that you're really interested in exploring uh, on your own? Yeah, definitely. And it's actually something we've been talking about a lot while we're here because we spent so much time, we've always spent so much time together just in general. Um, But we do have very different interests and like, for instance, for Travis, he's just zero percent interested in fashion anymore. Like he's like, I just don't care at all. And yeah. that's something that I've always been, you know, I've always been interested in. I've always loved, and um, that I want to continue to support my friends in. So there's always room for that. And in terms of art, I mean, I think that there's even for Maroon World, there are always times where I'll say like, I'm really interested in, in photographing this and he'll say, okay, and I'm really interested in this. And we sort of come together to support each other. So while it is at the end of the day, it's a collaborate, each thing, each image is a collaboration between the two of us. It's like, we do have space to explore the things that we want um, safely with each other. Mm. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, and then lastly, which is like a, been a hot topic on all my group chats, um, which is like, have you learned or affirmed something about yourself during this time of self-isolating on top of being a new mom? I mean, you got it all going on at, <laughs> at once. It's like so, I don't like this so much. <laughs> um, I think that I definitely took for granted what a social person I am 
and how much I love being around my community and my friends. Like, actually, Travis has this funny story about how when we first moved to Mexico City, you know, we didn't know a lot of people. Um, and I really miss my friends. And I, I was asleep, like dead asleep. And he said that all of a sudden I was like, where are all the Benji girls at? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wait, in no. my sleep, I was like, where's my community? Where are my friends at? And I, I think that. I want to know what that was giving. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I have literally have no idea but he was dying of laughter when I woke up he was like do you know what he said so I think for sure I miss just being around my friends and you know FaceTime is, can only do so much you know I like I miss being at my friend's kitchen table like cane right. and, and drinking wine and you know talking shit and just being in the midst of that energy and I really um I don't think any of us will take that for granted. I don't think any of us will take. Oh no. Granted. Yeah. I mean, that got, I mean, yes. From, from one party sad to even like a homebody Scorpio, I will not take community for granted at all. I cannot wait to get out and just, even just people watch and, and just be mm-hmm. out and feel cute and people watch. So well, I want to yeah. see looks. I want to like, yeah. Hello. I want to see what people's hair is giving after not having their hair done for a long time. Like, I want to see it all. Wait, did you say you're a Scorpio? Yes. My son is a Scorpio. Who is? My son. Your friend? My son, Tenoch. Oh, oh, wait. Yes, your son. I, and you know what? I knew that from when you posted um i was like ooh they got a scorpio baby mind you this is how the universe works i was like anything but a scorpio <laughs> that's not fair we don't need that slander okay we don't need you know it. what it's cuz it's cuz my mom is a scorpio and ooh. we are just, we are you know bless her but we are always at extreme <laughs> odds <laughs> Listen, we like what we like and we know what we know and that's it. But, you know, he, you'll be fine. He'll be great. He's going to be a star. No, someone said to me, like, this, this is the universe's way of allowing you to have a different relationship with that energy. And I really felt that. I was like, wow, that's beautiful. Absolutely. I love, I love that. I love that. Um, I want you to stick around because we're going to do our DM slide. Um, and this will probably resonate with you as a mama who's nursing right now. Okay. So we have Corey, wonderful Corey Washington artist from Los Angeles. And she asks, when and how did you stop breastfeeding? Um, yeah, I have that question too. <laughs> And I'm like, I hope that I can give you something to go off of because, um, because Sergeant and I are, are, and were constantly at the hip. Um, Mm -hmm. it was really difficult to figure out how I was going to stop. So I probably breastfed him until about 15 months, but I knew it was time. Uh, and I think you just have to listen to yourself because every time he would latch on, I would be trying to get him off within one to two minutes. I was just like, you were just over it. Over it. I was a thousand percent over it. I didn't <laughs> want to do it. 
<laughs> like we would literally be fighting. He would have my breast in his mouth and I would be pulling his head. And he's just like, no girl, I'm still eating. He's like table of one over here. Calm down. <laughs> mom. So I, uh, my mom took Sergeant for about a week. Um, and he stayed in Maryland with her and I went back to LA and I just decided, okay, this is my opportunity. So I put cabbage leaves in my bra because that's key. I don't know the scientific reasoning behind why cabbage leaves help to dry up your milk, but they do raw cabbage. And that week apart, when he finally came back to LA, I thought he'd be like begging for it. And he was just like, oh, guess we're done. I'm over it. And so we so were both did you it. supplement with anything else or no? No, Mm -mm. no, only one, just in terms of like formula or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I only used formula like maybe twice when I was going out of town. I just couldn't pump enough milk to last. Uh Uh Um, But no, I, I know, although I do know a lot of people who decide to kind of wean it slowly and then just end up only feeding at night as like a source of comfort. Yeah. Uh, so that might work. Um, do you do you have an idea of how you want to approach breastfeeding or how long you want to go? I want to go a year. So right now we're at five months, and um, I do. He does breastfeed BFE. What's you? What's you're on all the mom stuff on the mom boards? You find all these. Wait, I'm not hip. What's BF breastfeeding? No, what is that? Exclusively. Oh. You're right. stupid. Don't even. It's dumb. But it was funny. When I started reading these mom boards, I was like, okay, these girls are caring. But yeah, I had to stop so, after pregnant. Yeah, because it's too much. It's like, is this normal? My baby's nail, my baby's fingernail grew. I'm like, oh. <laughs> exhausted. This is too much. Yeah. And people go on there really to go off about, like, oh, my mother in law did this. I'm like, this is not productive. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I do, um, we do breastfeed exclusively and I know that next month I'm going to introduce, cause he's, he's five months now. I'm going to introduce, um, a few foods, mm-hmm. but I want to do a year for sure. But I, I, I hear you like I, we're together nonstop. And so like, and there's no crying. It's like, he's just like, Oh, I'm hungry now. And then he eats, you know, and even at night. He's like, um, he co-sleeps with us after like 4 a.m. He's in his bassinet most of the night, but there's a certain point where it's like, if he's not in the bed, he's just not going to fall asleep again. Right, right. So, um, and then that whole time, because he's right next to me, he's just like, oh. It's here. It's my buffet. Yes, exactly. He's like, oh, it's a free-for-all. So I know it's going to be hard and I'm just even, I'm cringing thinking about like sleep training next month because I want to start at six months as well. A lot of exciting things at six months, I guess. Yeah. Exciting. You know, bless you. Good luck. I yeah, don't remember sleep training was like crawling on my hands and knees out the room, hoping he would sleep. <laughs> last night we're like okay we're gonna let him like kind of just chill in the back because he woke up and we're like we're just gonna let him chill and i go to the bathroom and i come out and travis literally if this is possible has just his eyeball like around the corner of the door trying to check on him i'm like you said you said we were gonna check on him listen the, the the hoops that we go through for these babies um is never ending so hopefully, 
hopefully you got something from that. And Corey, good luck. Good luck, good Corey. Luck. Hi, sis. Hi, sis. We love you. Um, and again, thank you so, so much, Cynthia, for your time and your energy all the way from Mexico City. I said Cool Moms was going global this year. I didn't know it was going to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. I you do you remember... I, when I got, well, I hadn't even announced I was pregnant and I was like, Hey, I'm listening to, I just binged, um, to talk cool moms. And you were like, are you pregnant? I, I felt bad that I asked, but I was like, girl, binge cool moms for what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, I feel like I didn't respond. I was like, Ooh, you did it. And that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are with another blessing in the world. So thank you so much, Cynthia. And until next time. Estás escuchando a Cool Moms. Not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom.